All right, all right, all right, guys. We are here. Episode one. It is current. <laughs> oh my God, we are here. It's Get Wrecked with Straw Hat Goofy, the podcast where we recommend movies and TV shows and things of that sort with guests from people who make movies talking about the movies that made us. I'm really excited that this is the launch. I'm excited for everybody who's listening right now. Thank you so much for rocking with your boy on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram. And I wanted to get a little serious. I wanted to create something that's mine. I said, I'm, a, you know, I'm tired of waiting for opportunity to come to me. I'm going to make my own opportunity. So, you know, I know you guys will follow me anywhere. So I decided to make this podcast and we're, we're here doing it, baby. And you want to know how serious I am about this podcast? We have a theme song and I have a button to play that theme song. Wake up, Juju. Time to go to work. <laughs> All right. Can we talk about Wake up, I get it, I get it, I go with everyone saying I'm up next. It's not my fault that the vocals are gold, that making the hit so upset. My life is a movie, the way that I roll, they saying I'm goofy, but baby, you know I'm making everybody upset, cause we the best, how we get wrecked, and I know. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Charlie Curtis Beard, thank you so much for producing that one, putting it down, man. You are a great friend. You're awesome. And I will still kick your ass at Smash Brothers. So we're going we gonna to get to that another time, though. But that was awesome. That was dope. And just press, I want to do it again, but I don't want to like have it overstay its welcome. It's already pretty long as it is. You just got to let it play out. But yeah, it makes me feel like a DJ. It makes me feel like it's real, right? I told him when you put that out there, I said, you are making my dreams come true. That just, it feel like the last little bit of sauce on it, right? I always wanted a theme song. Now I'm going to walk out to that everywhere I go. But what we're going to do now is we're going to, we got a great show. We have a really great first episode. This episode, we are going to be talking about the Oscar nominations that had just come out. Uh, the episode, as you're currently listening to it right now, hopefully you're listening to it when it drops on the 27th, my birthday, Saturday. It'll be a great birthday gift. You guys can download, leave a comment all that good stuff. But today we're going to be talking about the Oscar nominations that at this point have come out today, but by the time you're listening to have come out a few days ago. And then after we get into all that, we're going to break it down piece by piece. We're going to get into the biggest surprises, the biggest snubs, and just like getting into like what are my uh, predictions for the Oscars during that time. And then after that, we are going to do an interview with Daniel Kaluuya and Kane Robinson for their new movie, The Kitchen, which premiered on Netflix at the time of you listening to this the week before. Now it's like maybe a couple days ago for me. But uh, I saw the movie, saw the movie like way before it premiered. And Daniel Kaluuya and Kane Robinson and I, aka Kano, we had a really great conversation about it and a really deep conversation about what it means to be black and creative and what it means to kind of like jump different professions in order to like search for that everlasting uh creative spirit but until we get into that let's get into the oscar nominations because i got some thoughts i got some big thoughts and we need to get into this right now so obviously we should get into the best picture race and i feel like this is indicative this this category is almost indicative of like what the overall thing is right a lot of safe bets a lot of things that weren't really big surprises but there were surprises when it came to certain little categories, right? So the best picture race is probably the most predictable one that we could have gotten. So first off, we got American Fiction, saw that movie. I, I should say as well that out of the 10 nominees, I've seen seven out of 10. Maestro didn't really do anything for me to watch it, didn't watch it. Zone of Interest, I'm trying to, but it's hard finding a screening. And then Anatomy of a Fall, I tried multiple times to see it, then something else came out. But we have American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall. We have Barbie, which was one of the, runaway successes across the billion dollars this year definitely benefited from the barbenheimer hype however the movie itself on its own was a real treat it was a technical marvel it was well written noah bombach and greta gerwig's screenplay is one of the best screenplays out there also nominated for best adapted which we'll get into later on down this list but barbie is truly truly a great film and i think we shouldn't i don't think we should like hold that uh speaking of hold the holdovers the holdovers was my number three movie of the year it held my number one spot for a while but it fought with spider-verse and poor things as well actually holdovers was my, my number four because godzilla minus one was my number three but number four out of a top 10 is not bad i'm so happy to see the holdovers on this list i was hoping that they wouldn't hold this one over <laughs> dad jokes you'll get a lot of that during this podcast but dominic sessa is a revelation i think this was his first movie role he crushes it here paul giamatti 
Terry Zephim and Devine Joy Randolph. Jesus Christ, that woman is just super, super talented. So a lot of great things happening in, this, in that movie. Really felt like old school cinema and not like a homage to old school cinema. It felt like someone made it in the 60s and 70s and then kind of remastered it and brought it to the modern day. But it just feels like that joy you get when you're watching a simple premise about humans being humans, right? There's not really a lot of big stakes. The emotional stakes, to be honest, aren't really that huge. But it is just one of those delightful watches that I really encourage everyone to watch, especially over the holidays. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies now. Uh, next up, we have Killers of the Flower Moon. This was a more recent watch of mine. I did not watch it in the year 2023. I watched it maybe a couple days ago. Floored me. I see why everybody had it on their top 10 list. I had to reorder mine after seeing that. Leonardo DiCaprio's great. Uh, Rob De Niro is amazing. But Lily Gladstone, holy goddamn hell. I remember seeing poor things and saying that Emma Stone was the best performance of the entire year she's got some competition she's got some real competition when it comes to this one so like seeing her in this movie i could see why people are going for it my pick will still go to emma stone but lily gladstone if she wins like 100 deserving of that absolutely amazing performance amazing introduction so great again maestro haven't seen it now that i know that it's nominated i'm going to see it so i can judge it properly I know it was my buddy Reese's guy with the movie camera's favorite movie. Not his favorite movie, but he absolutely loved Maestro. Uh, I believe he said he loved Maestro. Somebody said they loved Maestro. There's people out there that love this movie is what I'm trying to say. Um, next up, we have Oppenheimer. Again, part of the Barbenheimer craze, but stands on its own. It's a great movie. I think it might be my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. I'm not 100% sure on that, but it is a masterpiece. There's no, there's no making no bones about it. Like it is 100% a masterpiece. Technically, Killian Murphy in his first starring role in the Christopher Nolan universe really, really crushes it. If he wins Best Actor, again, one of those well-deserved things. Also very scary. It is definitely true when they said this movie is a horror film. Uh, next up, we have Past Lives. Past Lives I saw really early on in the uh, year. Great performances, very human story. Nothing that you wouldn't expect out of an A24 film. Doesn't do anything really crazy with its narrative, but it lets you relate to it on a very visceral level, especially if you have a love that could have been or if you have lost love or something like that. So really got to give it up for past lives for getting in here. Poor Things was my number two movie of the year. That also held the number one spot shortly after I saw it. Spider-Verse still took it and we'll get more into the Spider-Verse stuff really soon. But Poor Things... It was my number two. Absolutely deserved it from a cinematography level, from a director's level, from a acting level. Because again, Emma Stone, but then also Willem Dafoe, uh, Raimi, uh, Mark Ruffalo. There's so many. Even when uh, Carmichael comes in, Jared Carmichael comes in for a little bit. He gives us little, but gives us so much in that little bit of time. Uh, yeah, so Poor Things, I think it's a beautiful marriage of fantasy, science fiction, comedy. It is Alice in Wonderland mixed with Frankenstein's monster mixed with Edward Scissorhands. It's what you would think Tim Burton would evolve into. But, you know, Tim Burton's just kind of playing in his pocket. I'm not trying to shade Tim Burton. I love Tim Burton's movies. It's just this felt like a homage to Tim Burton movies, but like took it up to like a different level. Uh, then Zone of Interest. This is a movie I've already mentioned that I want to see. I'm trying to get a ticket. If I can find something that allows me to watch it before I see my daughter, we're in there. I think this is pretty safe. I don't think we should really like get into this that much, especially when you get 10. Uh, the only thing I'll say is I really wish that Spider-Verse was nominated or, you know, that it would have gotten in there. I know it's hard. I'm not saying that it should have. It's just that if it would have, I would have loved it. But that's all I got to say about that. And also across Spider-Verse should have gotten to a lot of things. We'll get into that later. Uh, best actor in a leading role. Again, a lot of these are usual suspects. You can see it happening. One big surprise though. So first we have Bradley Cooper and Maestro. And I can see like, you know, I didn't see the movie, but I saw a lot of the posters around LA for this and Bradley Cooper looks unrecognizable. So he's a great actor. So I could tell that he can like, you know, not make the prosthetics wear him, but wear the prosthetics, if you know what I mean. So he's really good. Coleman Domingo, I'm really excited to see here. I thought that he had a chance with The Color Purple. He's really great in that movie. I didn't know he had Rustin kind of out around the same time. So really glad to see that he didn't get in for that, but he got in for this. I still need to watch Rustin, but I put all my faith in Coleman Domingo. He's amazing. And I can see him as Kang. Just don't bring Kang back. <laughs> Sorry, MCU. Paul Giamatti and the Holdovers. He is kind of like emerged as a true contender to Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer, who's also in this category. And I can see Paul Giamatti actually winning this one. I can see there's a lot of love for the Holdovers just coming out of nowhere. I don't know where it's coming from. I like to think that I had a hand in that because I've been hyping up this movie for a while, ever since I saw it. 
But I still think Killian Murphy's award should be in this category. Uh, I think it's a great story. I think the narrative is amazing. Uh, Killian Murphy's kind of been a supporting player for such a long time, especially in Christopher Nolan movies. And so he's graduated to main lead status. And he's just amazing as Oppenheimer. Like what he does with his voice, humanizing the character, but not in a way that absolves him of his sins, uh, making him a truly complicated figure. Killian Murphy just owns that role. And then Jeffrey Wright from American Fiction. I feel like Jeffrey Wright in this role is just perfectly cast. I feel like what that movie is trying to say about blackness and about like separating yourself from blackness, Jeffrey Wright's kind of like the perfect archetype for that because he can play both of those very perfectly. But again, this is Killian Murphy's category. A big surprise though here, no Leonardo DiCaprio. And what part of me thinks, like, did Coleman Domingo get in to leave Leonardo DiCaprio out? And if so, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, Leo gets nominated, like, all the time. He's won his Oscar. I'm not saying he should win anymore. But uh, as great as his performance is, like, Coleman Domingo's, again, not having seen it, I keep hearing is amazing. And I would love to give that a chance, right? Like, don't award or give the nod to somebody who you you know can kind of do what they do. So, yeah. Uh, best actress in a leading role. This is the tough one. So I hear Net Benning for Niad, or however you say this movie. Never heard of the movie, never saw the movie, but I love Net Benning. But apparently, this was a big surprise for a lot of people. And I need to see the movie to really see about this. But there's one glaring omission from this category that does give a little bit of credence to this. So Net Benning for Niad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. We talked about that. Sandra Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall, who was also really strong in the movie Zone of Interest. And I believe she wasn't nominated for Zone of Interest. I don't think she was. No, she was not. So Sandra Hewler, everyone thought she was going to be a double nominee. She wasn't here, but, you know, still getting it for Anatomy of a Fall, which I still have not seen. That's that's really dope. Carrie Mulligan also seems to be in the race every single year for Maestro. So every time she's in a movie, I'm just kind of like, hey, anything for the Doctor Who love. I loved her in Doctor Who. She's in other things. I know that. Don't come at me. Comment section. And then Emma Stone for Poor Things. So obviously this is a two-woman race between Lily and Emma. I like this race. I think it makes the uh, this category a lot more interesting. I really thought that it was just going to be an Emma Stone runaway. It's not. But uh, we're going to be looking for that. But however, despite the fact that it's just going to be one of those two winning, Margot Robbie not being nominated for Barbie is one of the biggest snubs I can think of in recent memory. It's it's up there with Tony Collette from Hereditary. It's up there with Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler. It's I believe it's up there with Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained. The that movie I believe does not work without Margot Robbie. It, it she Megan said it herself. Jay Stoop said it herself. She made a TikTok earlier today. Without the sincerity and and how genuine she plays that role. It's 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 kind of a crime. To be honest, like it's up there. I think it's equivalent because this is one of the biggest snubs in history to me. And I've made the Barbie movie comparison to this movie before. It is the equivalent of Jim Carrey being snubbed for The Truman Show, being nominated for every award under the sun leading up to the big ceremony, only to get snubbed right after. Absolutely inexcusable. And I don't understand. Maybe it's the type of character that they're playing, the character that's kind of realizing who they are and kind of like that awakening, that awareness. I don't know if the Academy just doesn't understand that. They don't rock with that. But it was one, it was one of the biggest movies of the year as well. Like, I, I can argue that maybe Truman wasn't the like on the level of Barbie. I mean, Barbie made a billion dollars. Like, just <laughs> look at your look at your bank accounts. But it's it's just very weird how that was omitted. And then also it's very weird of who was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. For that movie, which no, it was on no one's radar. We'll get to that, and then we'll circle back to this one very shortly. Best Supporting Actor. So we have Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. As much as I love that, that was a big surprise for me. Sterling K. Brown, I think, is very steady in the movie. He's very funny in the movie, and he brings a lot of humanity and vulnerability to that role as well. Uh, I was not having Oscars on my radar. However, love that actor. Love him. I feel like there's nobody who acts like him working today. So that's really cool. Robert De Niro and Killers of the Flower Moon, I was watching him in that movie and I said, he's getting it, no problem. Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer, I said that, he's getting it, no problem. Shoot, now he's winning it. He's kind of emerged as a front runner. Ryan Gosling as Barbie, this was something that I was praying to happen when I watched the movie and to see that trail blaze throughout all of award season, I'm happy that it's here and I'm happy that I'm at a point where I'm unsurprised that it's here. So from going from hoping that it would be here to being surprised, good stuff. Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Now, I love Mark Ruffalo and Poor Things. I wanted him to be here. However, if I had to make a choice, I would have went with Dominic Sessa from The Holdovers. It was his first movie role. He also goes toe-to-toe with Paul Giamatti, who a lot of people might consider the front runner for Best Actor. So 
he's fantastic in the movie. I understand that there's probably a choice to make. Uh, probably it was a choice between him and Sterling K. Brown. Who knows? But Dominic says I would love to see here. With that being said, I feel like I feel like we're pretty clean here. Oh no, we're not pretty clean. Sorry, Charles Melton being snubbed for Best Supporting Actor is is very heartbreaking for me because one, who do you take out of this category? Right? Maybe Mark Ruffalo. Maybe at the end it was like, do you choose Mark? Do you choose Charles? Or do you choose Dominic Sessa? That's a tough choice. And then when you think of it from that lens, Mark Ruffalo being Mark Ruffalo, maybe that was the safest option. Like we know what Mark Ruffalo could do. I believe he's a four five-time nominee but yeah so that was a tough decision i understand that they had to make one but i think mark ruffalo is a pretty safe bet although he's great in poor things one of my favorite performances of the year in poor things best supporting actress okay so this one i made the most noise about well second most noise including some other things but best supporting actress emily blunt for oppenheimer we knew that was going to happen danielle brooks secures the only nomination for color purple the only nomination i thought that was going to get i thought at least best original song i thought at least a fantasia best actress Taraji Pihinsa was a dark horse from the beginning, but nothing except for Danielle Brooks. And that makes me just appreciate her performance that much more. She is absolutely amazing in it. Taking it from the stage and then bringing it onto the screen. She kills it. I'm going to skip over this next one because I really want you guys to understand the gravity of this. Jodie Foster for Niad, yet another one for Niad. A lot of people are being surprised that it's like racking up these acting nominations. Naveen Joy Randolph, again, I believe she's a frontrunner. I believe she's going to win. Like her humanity and her, I say she's the best one that displays vulnerability and also just kind of like a stubbornness that comes with that vulnerability in her performance. She's absolutely amazing. The big surprise, though, is America Ferreira in Barbie. And you know that this scene is in there because <laughs> the monologue and on one hand there's two let's just say there's two sides of the spectrum here okay let's do this there's two sides of the spectrum when it comes to performances nominated for an oscar with either very little screen time or let's just say a performance that doesn't dominate the movie right because in best supporting like you have to kind of like in a way dominate the movie in some way in order to get that nomination i feel like on the spectrum we have anne hathaway and les mis where she's only in the movie for maybe 15 minutes maybe and i'm being very generous but it's that one part of the performance the song the song is what makes people go wow and that's what people remember and that's what gets her the nomination and eventually that's what got her the win and then there's hannibal lecter who dominates the movie in a short amount of screen time you see what i'm saying so in that spectrum america ferrera is more towards Anne Hathaway, in my opinion. She doesn't dominate the movie at all. She's a great addition to the movie. She's great in the movie. But it's that one monologue that carries her through. And part of me wants to wonder, is that monologue enough to secure a nomination? And was that monologue enough for them to remember her and push out Margot Robbie from Best Actress? That's what makes this perplexing. If you would have got Ryan Gosling Best Supporting, Margot Robbie Best Actress, then America Ferreira... I would be like, okay, I guess that makes sense. You want to award the cast. You don't have ensembles. I can kind of get it. It's give That one's giving more everything, everywhere, all at once, where every main supporting character got something, which led to a surprise of Jamie Lee Curtis over uh, Stephanie Hsu. Is America Ferreira the Jamie Lee Curtis of this year? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. Also, uh, glaringly obvious, uh, snubs from May, December. May, December, I believe, were completely shut out. Of the award season. Nothing for Natalie Portman, nothing for Julianne Moore, nothing for Charles Melton. Just and that movie's I think is 100 percent built off of those performances. I believe the performances are the things that carry that movie through. So not, to not get one single nomination, very questionable, especially putting America Ferrera in there. There's just a we love America Ferrera. We love that monologue. It's just we wonder, we wonder. Uh going into best director, we have a really welcome addition, Justine Trait, Triet, Trait. I'll work on that for Anatomy of a Fall. And she's the only female director here. And it, it, it kind of like her inclusion just points out other snubs that happen, which we'll get into after I list the rest. Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. We knew that. Christopher Nolan, we knew that. I believe he's the front runner for this. Yogo Slant, the most report things. I was hoping for it, and I'm glad we got it. And Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. Again, haven't seen the movie, so I can't wait to see and see what that direction is about. But Justine's nomination also brings to light the snub and surprise snub of Greta Gerwig for Best Director of Barbie. Did she have a chance to win? Probably not. But she deserves to be there. 
100%, she deserves to be there. And so her exclusion is kind of glaring when it comes to this. Also, Celine Song for Past Lives. Celine Song has been in the conversation all throughout award season and now nowhere to be found. I argue that maybe I could see her falling off. She'd be the one to fall off of all of these. But imagine a Best Director race with Justine, Greta, and Celine. That would be really cool. But then the question becomes, who are you taking out? It was a strong year for direction this year. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. So best cinematography, we got Il Conde, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things. I feel like that's a really good list. International feature, just one omission that I wish could have been uh, nominated. We got the Teacher's Lounge in Germany. We got Two Capitano in, in Italy. Japan does Perfect Days. I don't know why they didn't do Godzilla Minus One. I know why they didn't do Godzilla Minus One. I know why, but still, that's what I would have liked. Society of the Snow from Spain. Love Society of the Snow. It's one of my favorites on this list. Again, not having seen The Zone of Interest, which is the front runner and most likely eventual winner because it's also nominated for Best Picture. Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, this one's fun. American Fiction, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Zone of Interest. Now, I really do think this is a strong race between Barbie and Oppenheimer. A friend of mine, we're having a conversation of what makes Barbie adapted screenplay, but I argue that Barbie is its own entity with its own world and probably has its own handbook. And they just adapted those things, so that makes sense. I think this is probably Oppenheimer's to win, though. I think Oppenheimer has a strong chance to win this one. Best original screenplay, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December. Okay, May, December did get in here. Okay, great and past lives. I think the front runner out of all of these would probably be Anatomy of a Fall, mostly because when it comes to these type of categories, like they tend to favor mysteries. I believe Knives Out was the last one to win. And apparently Anatomy of a Fall is like a Best Picture nominee. I mean, that most of these are Best Picture nominees, but a Best Picture nominee that just so happens to be a mystery that doesn't treat its audience like it's dumb, that forces you to think. I think Anatomy of a Fall is it. If I was to choose another one, I would probably go with the holdovers, but that's just me. Best live action short, The After, Invincible, not the one that we are all thinking of, Night of Fortune, Red, White, Blue, and The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is a Wes Anderson joint proving that he doesn't need to make a whole ass movie to get into that Oscar race. Best animated short film, Letter to Pig, 95 Senses, Our Uniform, uh, Pachyderme, War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. So we got some Beatles love up in here. Uh, there is no love for uh, Once Upon a Studio, however, the... 100th celebration of Disney with that short, which, you know, I believe has won a couple of awards leading into this. So that's kind of, you know, that's something. Speaking of Disney, getting into best animated feature, this is the first time where I would say that Pixar, well, second time, actually, maybe third. Pixar's come a long way. That a Pixar movie should not be in this category. So going through the category, we have The Boy and the Heron, definitely well-deserved. Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I believe the front runner is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. However, I did think that during the Golden Globes, The Boy and the Heron ended up winning. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, though, is head and shoulders to me the best one of all these. Now, Elemental, I liked Elemental a lot. I loved it more than most people. I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem deserves that spot. I think Suzume deserves that spot. I can see the Academy saying we already have one too many animes. I can see the Academy saying we already have one too many Spider-Verse-like movies. So I could see why it's here to get that diversity in there. And they chose Elemental, which is a movie about diversity. But yeah, it's I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles definitely deserved it over here. Now, Elemental has great animation. It has great lead characters. But that's just that's just my thoughts on it, man. The documentary short, best documentary short, the ABCs of book banning, the barber of Little Rock, Island in Between, the last repair shop and Nine Nai and Wapple. I actually kind of want to watch that. That sounds very interesting. Uh, I don't watch documentaries like that. <laughs> that being said, best documentary feature film, Bobby Wine, The People's President, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, To Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days in Mariupu. Uh, so there are those. I'm not going to really dive deep into those because, again, I'm not really a documentary guy. Uh, best original song. Now, this one pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. This one pissed me off to no end, okay? The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot. I did not watch Flamin' Hot, so I don't know what the song sounds like, but let's keep going and I'll come back to it. I'm Just Ken from Barbie. We knew that was going to. We're afraid it's going to win. I will laugh my ass off if it does win because it's such a joke song. Uh, Barbie also got in What Was I Made For from Billie Eilish, which will most likely secure her second Oscar, I believe, for a Best Original Song. The last one she won was for No Time to Die. I believe that was the last um, James Bond flick. Uh, it Never Went Away from American Symphony. 
Never heard of the movie, never heard the song. And then, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this, Wazeza, a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, of all of these, again, this is completely informed by the fact that I have not heard it. The Fire Inside could not be better than Am I Dreaming from Across the Spider-Verse. I don't think it's better than Self-Love. I don't think it's better than Nonviolent Communication or Mona Lisa. <laughs> there, there are some other songs that I could have nominated that soundtrack for, but I just don't believe it. Am I Dreaming did not get an Oscar nomination. But as bad as that is, as bad as that is, let's look at the scores. Best Original Score, Killers of the Flower Moon, Deserved. Oppenheimer, Deserved. Poor Things, Deserved. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Listen, I like Indiana Jones. I thought that movie was okay. I thought it was very safe for an Indiana Jones movie. I love John Williams. He's one of my favorite composers of all time. But there was nothing in that score that didn't make me think familiar. It was almost, I believe he was also nominated for Rise of Skywalker. I understand why he was nominated for Force Awakens. The Raid theme is actually one of the best themes to hit Star Wars in, in a long, long time. But Indiana Jones, it, it, this one feels like a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I feel like there are more deserving movies that we can give him that for. Uh, American Fiction, I did not think about the score a lot while I was watching that movie at all. So between those two, the fact that Spider-Verse, Daniel Pemberton, who's been all throughout the awards race when it came to that score, the fact that they're not here, it's now got me wondering, like, what you got what you got against Spider-Verse, y'all? What you got against Spider-Verse? It's, mm, I don't know. Best makeup and hairstyling, Golda, Maestro, which again, haven't seen it, but I've seen a lot of the ads around LA. He looks unrecognizable. Like Bradley Cooper looks unrecognizable. So maybe there's some truth to that. Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Society of the Snow. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give that to Poor Things very, very biasly. Best costume design, uh, we have Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Napoleon. Yuck. Didn't like that movie a lot. Uh, best editing, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. We got Best Sound. The Creator sneaks in there. The Creator was on my Worst Movies of the Year list. And it's always fun when a terrible movie gets nominated for an Oscar because then we get to refer to that movie as the Oscar-nominated movie, The Creator. Welcome welcome to the Suicide Squad. Uh, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, now titled Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. They're not doing Part 1 anymore. Uh, Oppenheimer. The Zone of Interest. These are best sound. Best production design. I think this one should go to Barbie because Barbie's in the category. We also have Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Don't really have much to say about these type of things like visual effects. I do have something to say about this. This is the last category. We have The Creator. We have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which questionable. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and Napoleon. And the creator. So in this in the visual effects category, we have two movies that were on my worst movies of the year list and two shining examples of style over substance. That's, yeah. Uh, the fact that Godzilla Minus One, though, was nominated makes me very, very happy. The fact that this is the first Godzilla to secure a nomination, I believe my boy Koi put up a stat, 37 Godzilla movies. This is the first one to be nominated for an Oscar, and rightfully so. When I saw it, I did have Best Picture hopes. Then I saw other movies. Adapted screenplay, maybe. Uh, best International Film, was definitely hoping for that. Did not get that. But Best Visual Effects, we're going to have to rock with that one. Very impressive, considering that this movie was only made for $15 million. So if I'm going to pull for any movie here, as much as I love three of the five movies on this list, as much as most of these movies look good on this list, I believe we should take into consideration the budget that went into this movie and what came out of it. And Godzilla Minus One truly gave us something like awe-inspiring. So that's that's where I'm going to land at. So yeah, so there's a lot of surprises, a lot of snubs. Uh, currently, if you're just listening, I'm checking my phone because I know that I'm missing a lot of snubs. Zac Efron for Best Actor. The writing was on the wall with that one. I don't think that the Academy was going to award him that. Uh, one day he's going to get a nod. One day I believe he's due going to win. Uh, but he was kind of like a surprise, like last minute thing. But again, if America Ferreira could get in for that monologue, I don't see how Zac Efron can't get in for saying I'm not a brother anymore. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, we brought that down. He's not best actor. Yeah, no, I think we've covered everything during this during this whole segment. Wow, I'm actually pretty good at this whole podcasting thing, huh? But yeah, so that is the Oscar nominees. Like you guys can let me know in the comments, like how you feel about them. Let me know the thoughts on my thoughts that you guys have. Do you agree with some of these takes? Do you not? 
uh, what was something that you liked that was snubbed or got in that you were not expecting it to, those happy surprises? Just let me know in the comments down below. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, make sure you hit the share, subscribe, all of that. Uh, now we're going to go into the second segment of this podcast, which is what I believe a lot of you have been waiting for. Uh, I got to talk to Daniel Kaluuya and Kane Robinson, aka Kano, the grime pioneer star, on their new movie, The Kitchen, which is a Netflix original. And I really, really like that movie. I really love the messaging in it, and we got to do deep dives on it, as well as just kind of like chop it up a little bit about movies. It's the first episode, not gonna lie, I was very nervous just trying to do the whole podcasting thing of this magnitude, so bear with me. <laughs> I know they did, but we all ended up having a really good time, and I'm really excited for you guys to check that out. So we're going to transition now to the interview. Okay, before we jump into the interview that you guys have all been waiting for, I just wanted to stop and say thank you so much for listening to the pod. It's been a long road getting this thing up. It's been a long road kind of ending each of the week and starting my own thing. So once again, to the crew, Thank you for letting me be your movie guy. Thank you for letting me be your captain. But now, for the moment that you guys have all been waiting for, here's my interview with Daniel Kaluuya and Kane Robinson for the movie The Kitchen, premiering on Netflix at this time, January 19th. You guys enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the very first debut episode of Get Wrecked with Straw Hat Goofy. I am sitting here with the stars, director, producer, and writer, it's, they do everything, of The Kitchen. I got Daniel Kaluuya and Kane Robinson. How we doing, fellas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. You? Yeah. Really good, man. Uh, I'm really excited, man. I'm really excited. You know, it's crazy because... Uh, you know, like I said, when you came in, you looked at me, you said like, hey, where have I known, Where have I seen you before? And like, I didn't say the one thing that I do the most, and that's TikTok. And I, like, I, I call myself the movie guy on TikTok, and I do a lot of like reviews, I do a lot of breakdowns, I do a lot of MCU breakdowns, and obviously you were in the MCU as well before. Yeah. Uh, I've also broken down like Get Out, like the symbolisms behind that, and like film is yeah, just I think like someone what I sent do. me a video, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I think someone sent me a video. I'm glad to know that they're getting Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah, the Spider-Verse one. I talk a lot about Spider-Verse. Yeah, someone man. sent me that, yeah. It was my number one movie of the year. Number one movie of the year. Oh, big up, man. Yeah, big man. Up, man. Nah, big ups to big you guys. Big up to the animation team, man. Oh, man. It's, in, it's incredible. We're going we gonna to get into that, but we also need to get into the kitchen. But uh, what I want to talk about is uh, for the both of you, I've been picking up a trend, like, you know, doing my research, you know, just like when it comes to the both of you, it seems like you guys have your hats in so many rings. And starting with you, Daniel, like, obviously, like, everybody knows you from, like, Get Out. Like, you know, I remember first seeing you in Kick-Ass 2. And as a matter of fact, I first saw you in a Doctor Who episode. Because I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Yeah. And Kane, I don't know if you watch Doctor Who. I don't know like if that's your thing either. But like when I saw that, I was like, he sure was in Doctor Who. Okay, that's my nigga right there. So I was I was taken aback by just how far your filmography goes. But uh, you know, I also peed game that you also wrote a couple episodes in skins mm -hmm. as well. So this kind of leads to the pre the that was a precursor which leads to now you're writing, directing, and producing the kitchen. Yeah. Obviously, you're close to this like premise. Can you talk a little bit more about like your connection and your personal connection to this premise and this plot? Uh, personal connection is um, I, I, it came to me. I was watching. I was in the barber shop, and um, this guy was talking about smashing grabs, doing mm. million pound heist in a minute, and um, and I was just like, I want to watch that film. Mm. I want to watch that film. Um, and then connected with Kibwe Tavares, the co-director. And then um, I kind of was just, um, did some more research and then I saw that, oh my God, they're getting paid 200 pounds to do this. Mm. And I, I just saw the inequality. I just saw the desperation. I saw the the high risk, the high stakes risk. And I saw the cinematic nature of that risk. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's another thing as well. It's just like, I wanted to see you guys riding around um, and, and knowing what that means to them. So um, I said, that, that was where the premise came from and then, we just kind of kept building it. And that, we did a taste of tape in 2014, January. So, and nice. it's coming out January, 2024. So it's been a while. Nice, nice, nice. So what I, what I really liked about this movie, I saw the trailer and it literally kind of like blew me away because I grew up in Compton, right? I grew up mm. in the hood. So mm. with anything that's like has a hood film quality to it or a sensibility to it, I'm like all over that. Mm. And so one of my favorite films, and Kane, I'm gonna bring this over to you, was uh, I saw Blue Story, right? And watched that film, was so blown away by that film. And I was shocked when, you know, I reviewed it on my TikTok. It ended up, people kept recommending uh, Top Boy to me. Because, like, there's a lot of overlap between actors and kind of, like, talks about, like, the, uh, the gangster nature that goes on in the UK. 
Now, I have a cultural blind spot when it comes to music and the music industry, just over here in like North America. So I was just so impressed that, you know, when I when I looked you up, you're the one of the pioneers of grime, right? And then you jump over into acting and now like you're basically like the boy, you're the top boy and top boy, you know what I'm saying? So can you, can you talk a little bit about kind of like your rise through that and then now you're taking on this film and it's like kind of like more a higher caliber and you're the star of this as well. Can you talk a little bit about like that transition? Uh, yeah, well, it's just a journey, a creative journey. It's, um, I'm a storyteller, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to um, tell my story, tell the stories of my friends, uh, people that I grew up with. Um, people without a voice. Mm -hmm. And at the time when we, you know, started in the music industry, I was like 15, 16 years old. There wasn't really anything that we could um, um, look up to and claim as our own. Mm -hmm. So we became that and we started doing it ourselves. Pirate radio and then putting on our own raves and selling our own records out of our trunk. All the stories you've probably heard from American artists and right. Master P and doing it their own way. We kind of done right. that as well, you know, just on the other side of the pond and we've just always had that attitude where, you know, no one's gonna give anything to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we gotta speak up, we gotta make our own. And I've always just uh, attacked everything with that energy. So even mm -hmm. when, you know, later on and many albums later and then started to act and done Top Boy and this, it's just like, it's just be who I am, mm -hmm. stay true to who I am um, and, and don't be afraid to, be your full self and I just I just know I'm an artist and that doesn't have to stop in in one field mm -hmm. you know yeah we can do anything we yeah. can design clothes we can make films we can but you know what I mean Daniel's yeah. got a phrase that he always says like we do what we want <laughs> you know what I mean not what you yeah, tell yeah. us we can do we we do what we want so we will we will make films we will make music we'll be unapologetically us you know, so linking up with Daniel is, is another kind of like another, you know, person that's kind of empowered me to just like think big, man. Like, look what he's mm. done in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and now he's doing it and putting on other people, putting on new actors. Like, it's it's crazy what's happening. So I just wanted to be a part of this project because of what it would mean for me, but also mean for the city that I'm from. Right, right, right. See, I was, I'm really inspired by that. And like every time I kind of like see you guys step anywhere, you guys come with that same energy. It's the energy of like, we can do what we want. Like we have the power to kind of like make our own, do it our own way. And you know, me coming up like, you know, in my space, black content creator talking about film, immediately people say like, what you know about film? Like what you know about this? All you do is talk about MCU films, you know? Like what do you know about breaking down the inner meaning of that thing? And I feel like because of you guys and people like you guys and people like Ryan and people like, uh, James Samuel, like it inspires me and my craft to kind of get better at it. Now, uh, when it comes to this film, something I really like about it is like you put a twist on kind of like the hood film uh, genre, right? And it's like a dystopian, it's set in like a dystopian like future. And it kind of like carries on this trend of movies like Attack the Block, uh, movies like They Clone Tyrone. Uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of like why we decided to go into the future instead of staying in the present when it comes to this? Um, well, when we sat down, um, co-director Kibway, um, we felt that British cinema, I, I, I think I, I, there's a lot of British cinema that I love, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of British cinema that makes me quite uninspired in yeah. terms of its ambitious and, and, and its audacity. And so we felt like a lot of it was minimalism and we wanted to do maximalism. We, I felt like I feel <clears throat> we deserve to take up the space that other characters take up yeah. and talk about universal themes in our way, unapologetically. And so um, because of Kipway's architecture background, we was able to build this world, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? And, and had an infrastructure to, to, to set in the future. And I feel like it's a bit of putting the medicine in the food and making it attractive, making it cinematic, making it like escapism yeah. in order for us to really drill down and talk about something that people don't usually talk about. You know what I mean? We want it to be really big and really intimate. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's what we went for. Okay. I, I really like that. I really like that. Um, something that's always like struck me as like different about you specifically, Danielle, Daniel, is that you were never just as people saw you, right? Like, you know, I, I look at you 
and I see someone like obviously like you're acting, but I see like you can do like so much more. It's like the same effect you get with Kobe. I'm from LA, so like mm. Kobe is someone that I looked up to, and the fact that he did a lot more than just basketball that was like the tragedy of what got taken away was more than acting always kind of like something that you wanted to do, right? Like, and when was that moment where you said film and storytelling is like my passion? I want to get at that, whether it's acting, whether it's writing, or whether it's directing. Like, when did that egg start to start to hatch? I think um, it was. I think there was a time when I, t- I kind of stopped acting for a year and a half, mm. and I was just um, reading scripts, and I was kind of like learning how to write again because I, I wrote before, and I was just like, I don't know how I did that, but I just wanted to be more aware of how I did that. Then I just was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to do film. Yeah, I think film's me, and I just loved the fact that I could just visit films from the seventies, mm. and I can visit films from the fifties. I can just like it lives. I mean, I love Breaking Bad. I love Sopranos, but yeah, yeah. I don't love Sopranos because I haven't watched it. That's I'm like, that's the issue though. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah, it's because yeah. it's like, it's quite a big commitment mm-hmm. and it's harder to kind of travel through time. And I think with film, I just wanted that. I, I was just, obs- I just love the evolution of characters and, and, and yeah. And then also in terms of like doing everything, I just like, I don't, I just don't believe in these roles like mm-hmm. that people just, they just go oh, I just do this I just don't get it right that. right I just, it's I, like I, a but also I think yeah. I come from not, not even like roles like in terms of just like you're just an actor like mm. yeah. it's that thing the, the, right. boxes as well. boxes yeah, I just lanes. don't think where we came from we didn't move like that at the beginning right people were making this people were making t-shirts people were doing that people like Michaela Cole was a poet like everyone was just doing things just to express themselves mm. you get people now that are playwrights that were rappers back in the day like it's not like it was just whatever that you was into. Yeah. And then you just do that. And then you're just telling a story and go, all right, cool. How do I learn what this medium is to say what I need to say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, I just found it weird that the more success you get, the more restricted you have to become. Yes. It doesn't really make sense. And the less success you have, the more free you are. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, I don't know what's happening here. And I just don't, I just think it's, I think the way the game is, is odd. Yeah, and I just yeah. refuse to accept what other people believe, and I just keep what I just came in the game with and what I saw in like the creative London community. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like people. It's how I know a lot of people is because we pull up to people's short films. Like someone's made a short film. Like right, someone's right, right. done this. Someone's done a YouTube sketch. Someone's someone's done. Someone's got a a set. Someone's got a rave. Someone, it's like you just make. Yeah, you got yeah. an idea. You make it happen, and then. And see if you like it or not. And you, if you like it, do it again. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of this uh, interview that you did with, I believe you was on the shop with LeBron James. And mm-hmm. Kane, I think this like applies to like your journey as well. Because I have a lot of questions about where you started. Because apparently you were a top prospect in football a while ago, right? Like, <laughs> when you were younger. And then you got, you said, oh, I want to do that. I want to get into rapping. And then you said, I want to get into acting because it was something to do. Right. And it's just, I want to get into your headspace. But Back to you, Daniel. I remember you were saying on the shop, when you reach a certain level of success, Mm -hmm. we're still black. Yeah. And the minute you start to think that, oh, I'm good, they're going to love me because I'm making this stuff, that's when things get dangerous. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that? And does that influence what you make? I think the problem is, is that they're going to love me a bit. Like, you're doing it for their love. Yeah. You're not doing it because you love it. Mm Mm-hmm. I ain't like I'm not on like I'm not doing it to get accepted by I'm not like doing this and then I'll get accepted. A lot of people are, mm-hmm. and that's each of their own, but I'm just not doing it to so they've been the the mainstream can embrace me and ah I think like, that's important to know. I, 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 did I do it before like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, think I realize that's important it's, to know a, too. it's a cold world there. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'm just I, I like and I and I feel like I, I, like I just did and then I realized, okay, then I don't really want that if it doesn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. So then like, so I just do things because I feel it's right and it makes me happy and I love the process. Mm-hmm. And then it's just m- me. I'm I'm trying to, rem- I know I'm removing myself mm-hmm. from how people perceive the limitations that people project onto me. Yes. Because it's, it's, it's only real if I believe it. So if someone I says, like you're black, you, can't, you can only do this. Why would I listen to? They're not. Why would I, are they my friend? That's yeah. not a friendly thing to say to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a nice <laughs> thing to say to me. That's what. If you, if if this, if this white person had a mixed race, a mixed race son, mm-hmm. yeah, and then they said that to their son, are they being a good parent? Mm-hmm. So why should I accept that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You feel me? That like, so I'm saying I reject that. I rebuke it. No, 
denied. I do what I'm doing and I want others that are like me to do what they're doing. That's cool. And let's make stuff from that context. That's what they, that's, that's what I Make well, it for you and like make the people well, who like rocks with you coming from you and then it's just, yeah. that's what Rian Johnson does. Yes. He's making knives out. Mm-hmm. I, do you know what I'm saying? He wants to make a murder yo, mystery because he wants to make a murder mystery. I think Last Jedi like, is still one of the best Star Wars films. And I feel like we can't, we can't, it's like, we, it's like they're telling us you can't think like that. Yeah. When it's like, and we get that every day. We get that every day, but you got to block that out, right? It's like, like you said, it's it doesn't like, exist, my guy. I don't even block it. Oh, nice. That's nice to know. I don't even. It's not even like I don't even. I don't even. And someone said, "Oh, well, how can you think like them people?" I'm like, if they just think like that, why, yeah. why are you giving them freedom and not me? Mm. I don't like. It just doesn't even make sense. That it just doesn't make sense. That's so. That, it's more in that vein. I'm just going, bro. Like, we do what we want, and we move forward, and we just make something. Yeah. And it, and it will reach who it needs to reach because that's what. The auteurs did back in the day. That's what mm-hmm. the artists did back in the day. They just did what they felt like, and I'm I'm blessed enough to have a team of people and work with people that will, that feel the same as well. Mm-hmm. So I just move like that. You know what I'm saying? I like that. I like that. See, that was beautiful to say because I think a lot of people, especially like you know when you uh, start off where I started from, like the influencer space. I hate saying that, but it's like people do that because they want to be seen and they want to like people to love them versus like creating the product first and then like letting the people that rocks with them, come with them. And that's when I feel like you get the most purest product. And that's when you like, build the community around that. Mm. Now, Kane, we've talked about like your, your past and you said, like I know you answered this question in a way of saying that th- it comes from the mind of creativity and like the desire to make things, right? But I want to get into like your decision process when you were like a top prospect in football and that like inspired you to go into like rap. And then that crossroads moment. I, I just want you to... Like, Put me into your mind of like those crossroad moments where you say I don't I don't think it was a crossroad moment. Mm-hmm. Um to be honest, it's been um kind of taken that way, but yeah. Uh it, it was you know, you're young and you know, all your friends are doing something, so you do it and you just happen to be good at something. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you love it, mm. you know? It doesn't it wasn't my passion. Um when I found music, I realized that this is my passion, my actual passion. Right. right. Um I that I would do without, you know, the prospect of making money from it. It's just what I love to do. Mm-hmm. I would sit in my bedroom and just like write lyrics, you know. Yeah. I'll be in school and just writing, writing, writing lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would do on the weekend. Then you find like-minded people that are on what you're on, and then you link up and you write together, and you just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was an actual, an actual passion, um, and and maybe is my only one you know um Mm. when when it came when acting came about um it wasn't something i was passionate about right i saw that interview you were like acting's acting it's cool yeah it wasn't (laughs) something that i wanted to do it wasn't like i really want to be in a fit you know what i mean yeah how did that happen um but but i i was Bullied to read to read the script. <laughs> I was like, no, no, read it. Yeah, no, you got. And then it was like, I was like, nah, nah, just putting it off, putting it off, reading right, the right. script and whatever. Because and and there's probably a part of me that didn't want to like it because if I liked it, then mm. then then what? Mm. You know what I mean? Then I have to maybe go for it and possible rejection and everything. And what's the point of what's the point putting yourself that? in a position to be rejected when you're already going on tours and playing shows around right, exactly. thousands of people that l- love you being there. I wasn't even supposed to be here. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, so it's like a scary thing. It's like a fear thing that you run away from because really you're just scared. Yeah. You know? But anyway, I ended up reading this thing and I was like, ah, mm. I, I like it. I, I see it as songs. I see it as lyrics. I mm. see... Storytelling. You know, yeah. yeah. Every scene is like a verse. You know, every episode was like a, an album to mm. me. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want to be a part of telling this story. And, and, and I think that's maybe... I don't know if I'll act much more in the future, but maybe that's how I'm going to move mm. forward. Like with, with with any film, it's like it, if I if I feel this is important enough. I mean, I'm I'm down with just um just I, I don't have to be a part of anything. I yeah. could I could just watch you know mm-hmm. film and just enjoy that it's being made, or I could just help in any other way. You know, mm-hmm. I could make music for a film, but there's some things you read and you're like I. It's feel beats. like I can serve this product yeah. and I feel like it's an important piece 
um, important story to be told, like the kitchen is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I wanted to be a part of it in this way, you know what I mean? And I wanted to collaborate with with Daniel. Um, and I'm proud of what what we've made, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's all just integrity, you know? Just trying to be as true as you can to yourself. And it's tough at times, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's tough at times when Absolutely. a lot is required of you and, uh, you know, it's... It's not like you're just doing things for numbers and success and whatever, but let's not act like that isn't in the air as well. Yeah. Um, it's part of the game. It, it's, it's part, part of the game. It, it's part of the game, but you, you really just have to, you know, I, I try and make uh, my decisions based on would I do this if I was going to receive nothing in return? Right. You know? Right. It's like, beautiful. Ho- like hobby shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is what I, lo- you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's beautiful. All right, so we only got a little bit of time left, so I'm only going to say a couple of things. Number one, Daniel, you have the best eyes in the game, man. Um, like, no, like real talk. Let me, no, let me, <laughs> let, let, let me finish, man. Like, it's... it's. Yo, look over here, man. I, I got you. <laughs> yo, yo, go on. I had to look him in his eyes when I said that. I had to look him in his eyes when he said that. But let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. Like, I watch... Your scene, and this is, a, he got Oscar winning eyes. Let me tell you why. Yeah, Oscar yeah, nominated sure. eyes. Like when you see that scene in Get Out yeah, with the tear, the, with the single tear. The dope, CGI one. Dope shit. Yeah. CG, cuz. <laughs> that was CG, bro. Like most of the budget was, that was on that. Like, on your eyes, too? Yeah. No, no. You just got me. But um, also the, the stare down in Widows, too, during the rapping scene. Yeah. Since shivers down my spine, bro. I was like, the way he can look. In a scene with those eyes, it's like it does a lot of work, and I dig that, bro. And I'm Thank like, you. I don't know if you like was a class on eye acting. I don't know. I said if there's an if there's a Hall of Fame, a goat, if you will, of best acted body parts, your eyes will be right next to Kieran Knightley's uh, bottom jaw. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will. well, imagine, well, imagine being in a scene and looking behind the monitor, and those eyes are looking at you. Like, Shit, maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> I should just go him now. Real talk. Outside of my weirdness, because again, I call myself a professional overthinker when it comes to this. And I honestly like really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. This is the first episode of the Get Wreck podcast with Straw Hat. Congratulations. Thank you very much, man. You guys are the very first guests. It's dropping on my birthday, too. So it's kind of like an early birthday birthday for me. For when this comes out. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And I'm excited for the kitchen. We're about to see it right now, but I'm excited for everyone to see it when that comes out as well. Love, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Get Wreck podcast with Straw Hat Goofy. I'm here with Kane Robinson and Daniel Kaluuya, especially in his directorial debut, also producing and writing for The Kitchen. Make sure you guys check that out on what date, guys? Jan 19th. Jan 19th. Y'all guys, check it out. All, All right, right, we out. Love. Wake up, Juju. Time to go to work. <laughs> All right. Can we talk about it? Wake up, I get it, I get it, I go with everyone saying I'm up next. My fault that the vocals are gold, they're making the haters so upset. My life is a movie, the way that I roll. They saying I'm goofy, but baby, you know I'm making everybody upset. Cause we the best, how we get.